and welcome to Soaring to New Heights. This is your one-stop shop for all things women's footy in the brown and gold. You are listening to The Bench, which is our round three recap of the Hawthorne AFLW game against Fremantle. On the weekend, we saw the girls head over to Perth for their first interstate trip this season. And after a slow start that led to a Beck Goddard bake, the girls tried valiantly to fight their way back into the contest, but alas, were unable to do so, ending up in a 13-point defeat. My name is Tim, and you are joined by our regular co-host and co-founder, Liam. How are you, Liam? Uh, I'm going well, Tim. I was obviously a bit disappointed with Saturday, and we're recording this 24 hours later than usual because of parenting commitments. But um, yeah, as always... The opportunity to talk call on AFLW with you is one that I absolutely love. So pleasure as always. Yeah, looking forward to dissecting this, Liam. I think even though it was a 13-point defeat to the Dockers, we certainly did see some wonderful plays coming through. We saw some wonderful moments from young players and old players alike. We had a few head scratches as well that we'll talk about as well throughout this episode. But I think for all those people who've been watching the Hawthorne AFLW team, you can certainly see that not only have the skill level risen, but we can also see that the gameplay structure and style is starting to come to hand as well, which is absolutely fantastic. Now on the bench here, we are going to recap and talk about the five key points or key takeaways from the game. There'll be two from Liam, there'll be two points from myself and one which is a fan selected vote making up the five points which is the same as the five players on an aflw bench which is how we came up with the name now liam before we start it was five goals five 35 Fremantle's way to hawthorne's three four 22 in terms of the goals we had greta Bodie, we had aileen gilroy and anya mcdonough with single single goals each in terms of our disposals emily bates 22 tilly, tilly lucas rod 21 Caitlin Ashmore and Jenna Richardson, 19, and our newly elected AFLW Rising Star nominee for the second time, Jasmine Fleming, with 18 disposals. Uh, yep, and we also won the coin toss for the first time. First time, Liam, out of um, what, 13 attempts? 13 yeah, attempts 13. right now? I think they always say 13 is an unlucky number. Clearly, that's not the case, Liam. 13 is a lucky number. We finally had a a win in terms of the coin toss, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, Liam, before we get on with our points, in terms of Jasmine Fleming, if you would like to be involved in sponsoring an AFLW player, Talking Hawks, where Liam and I do play a bit of our trade, is sponsoring Jasmine Fleming, who we know last year was cruelly robbed of winning the Rising Star Award. But after being nominated this week, we know she's going to go on and take the award for season eight. And if you'd like to get involved, you can jump on to Talking Hawks in terms of the player sponsorship. And Liam, I believe you were involved in a question and answer session last night with Talking Hawks members and Jasmine Fleming. Uh, Yeah, I was. It was a really good, quick little call. Nice to have a chat to Jazz and to a few of the other TH uh, sponsors as well. But, um, yeah, we got the bench to record. Absolutely. So, Liam, point number one is yours. Take us away. Okay, this this isn't the most positive point, but we, we, we will rip the Band-Aid off. I eventually learned how to speak English. 
Uh, and it's our fourth fifty decision making. Uh, we can't get away with not addressing it in this game. Our decision making inside forward fifty was simply not where we needed it to be. I mean, when we inside, you win the inside fifties, thirty-eight to twenty-nine, lose the scoring shots, ten to seven, and you know the doctor take eleven marks inside fifty. We take five. Clearly, something's a bit off with how you're making decisions going into the fifty. Uh, admittedly, they had an on your tie on an opponent way too small for her, which we'll come to a bit later, and that certainly helped with their marking inside fifty. But they went at 48% efficiency inside 50. We went at 26. Uh, Cameron also pointed this out on Twitter for us. Yeah, we looked dangerous on a number of occasions, made a lot of really good breaks. But our, our entry kicks were, for the most part, just not very good. Our decisions were poor. We'd go to basically we'd kick it to anywhere but Hawthorne players at times, it seemed. And just the decision-making was a bit was a bit off the target. We were usually okay with hitting targets when we really aimed for them, but we just so often made the wrong decision or made no decision, even worse. And we just we blazed, we picked the wrong options, found opponents, the boundary, or something other than a Hawthorne player. And if we want to boil it down, I think our decision-making going into the Ford 50 and even in the Ford 50 between like 30 and 50, that was the difference in the game. We make the better decisions going inside 50, we win that game plain and simple. Yeah, you go back to last week, we were sitting at almost 50% for our inside 50 efficiency. I think we had uh, 40 or 39 inside 50s and we had 16 scoring shots. So we were almost sitting at 50%. And this week we're looking at 25%. So we're sitting at you know just over a quarter. And as you said, I, I think we had a plethora of opportunities. And uh, at some times with those opportunities, it almost looked like we had too much time in terms of not knowing where to go and what to do. And I think you have to remember, though, that what are we, 13 games in? 13 games into a club, and it's going to take time with this cohesiveness. We know that there is a a new unit uh, in terms of players coming through. You know, we've got players like Sherpa, who's now being played on a wing. Last season was deployed down back. Uh, We know we have the lights of Emily Bates, who's come in as well. And I just think that it's going to take a bit of time. If you think about last year, you know, it took us until, what, round five, round six, before we finally realized Jess Duffin was probably going to be the answer down forward. And, uh, you know, we, we put her in there and she was able to clunk marks. And I think that while the disposal efficiency going inside 50 wasn't great, it's certainly something that we can work on and we can sharpen up. And we'll need to, especially over the next fortnight when we come up against uh, two pretty decent teams. Uh, yeah, by pretty decent, we mean the last two years grand finals, but... Yeah, I mean, look, we know it's got it's going to take time, but it was a glaring weakness. It was a glaring deficiency last week in particular, our decision-making going into the 50. But anyway, we move on. We fight another day. Yes, that's exactly right. Point number two, Liam, my first point, and I want to talk about the soon-to-be AFLW rising star and Jasmine Fleming now. Slemo last season did an absolutely tremendous job. She battled with injuries, was playing injured at times, studying year 12. We know her story and we know that highly touted junior. And this season, in the three games to date, she has certainly upped the ante in terms of what she's been able to produce. So on the weekend, the 18 disposals, of which six were contested. Now, if you go back last year, She was sort of more than 50% contested possessions than uncontested possessions. And we'll talk talk about that uh, in a moment. Her disposal efficiency on the weekend was 83.3%. 
which is a mammoth increase compared to last season. Three score involvement. So you, you go back and have a look. We had seven scores on the uh, on the day. She's had three score involvement, so almost half of our scores. Jazz has been involved in four inside 50s, three rebound 50s. The work rate and her ability to use her leg drive, especially going through the middle, has been absolutely phenomenal the past three games. And I thought she was tremendous on Saturday afternoon. And I love the way that that improved disposal efficiency is certainly helping in terms of boosting her confidence as well. And I don't think it's any coincidence, Liam, that Emily Bates being added into that midfield has allowed Flemo to be able to play a bit more on the outside, has a bit more time in terms of what she's able to do with the ball. And we're certainly seeing that disposal efficiency and also her selection in terms of who she's picking out to uh, to get the, the ball to, being able to select the right target because she's got a bit more time to do so. Yeah, I mean, all your points there, they're all interrelated as well. I mean, last season, and if you read our season guide, you'd know this, she ranked 100th out of the top 100 per game disposal winners for disposal efficiency. Her disposal efficiency has gone from about 45% for the season up to nearly 66% for the season. That's a marked improvement for someone who doesn't even turn 19 until November. Like, we have to remember, she will turn 19 just after this home and away season. Um, Yeah, she was superb. I think halfway through the third quarter, I think she was our best player. Uh, I do think, and this has happened in the last couple of weeks, and it's something that will just be need to just be addressed with time because she has had a couple of short or interrupted pre-seasons with injury or not being drafted. I do think her, you're nodding, you think you know what I'm saying, her last quarter and second half fade-outs do still need a bit of work, but that will just come with time. Like the first half was special. The first part of the third quarter was all exceptional. And did she drop off a bit later in the game? Yes, is she only 18 with zero real full pre-seasons? Also, yes. I'd almost be wanting as uh, as well, I guess, to have a look because the conditions over in Freo, while they were fantastic for fast-flowing football, also uh, incredibly warm compared to, I guess, what our girls have been training with for most of the, the pre-season. And I wonder, too, if that uh, knocks you around a bit and, and takes a bit out of you because... As you said, if you've got someone like Jazz who hasn't had a full preseason because of a few little niggles, then going and playing in warm conditions would uh, certainly zap the energy as well. At the end of the day, they are the same for both teams, but it's, yeah. Yeah, they are the, the same for both teams, but if you train in one and you uh, become acclimatised, it certainly makes life a lot easier. Compare any team that goes over and plays the South African rugby team over in uh, some of the altitude over there. Very difficult yep. to do. Point number three, Point number three, Liam, and this is the fan-voted point. Yeah, and this one's come from someone who's been listening to us since the beginning, uh, a very loyal listener. Uh, it's actually my dad who has come up with this point, and it's about our defensive positioning and matchups. The matchups we'll talk about a little bit in a second because they're kind of very heavily related, but... He pointed out, and he was right, that our defenders are getting caught behind quite a lot. Um, you know, we're not going to list off every example that we can think of because otherwise we'll way exceed the Zoom call. But we were caught behind in a lot of defensive contests. The ball was dropping short a lot. And it was quite easy for Freo to either A, mark in front because they had the better position when it did drop short, or B, just lead into space. Like We forced ourselves to rely on drop marks to really get the ball 
in defence, and I know Tim, you'll probably have a couple points to build off this as well. But you know, with just over 14 minutes to go in the last, the stoppage inside their forward 50, the short hat kick just falls into the lap of Ulalele. I pronounced that wrong. 20 meters out, straight in front, with her opponent a couple of meters behind. Like, it's one thing to defend back shoulder; it's another thing to be two meters behind when kicks are dropping short. Yeah, and I think it was a really interesting one because I think at times we were we probably weren't switched on in terms of defence. And once again, I don't know if it was the movement of the Fremantle forwards. I don't know if it was the heat. Not sure what it was, but yeah, there were just times where we we just didn't seem to be close enough uh, to our opponent. Now. I've never played as a defender, Liam, but everyone I've ever heard who plays defense always says you are on their back shoulder. Like you stick with them back shoulder. And as you just said there, that, that kick to all uh, the 20 meters out, we were too far behind. We weren't right on that back shoulder, which certainly makes it really difficult. And some of the matchups just seemed incredibly off. Now, Richo, who we absolutely love here, the Donvale Destroyer, we know that she is as good as any defender in the AFLW. But when you come up against Onya Tai, who's 15 centimetres taller than her, like we're talking half a foot taller than her, probably not the greatest way in terms of shaping up uh, in terms of your defence. Now, we've got some incredibly tall players that we could have deployed in that role instead. We could have gone to Sherpa. Who was on a wing and said, hey, can you go back and help out? We could have gone to Mac and said, can you go to her? Could have gone to Brownie, can you go to her? We didn't. We stuck with Richo. And while I think it's great that Beck and Benny Cav, the defense coach, stuck to their guns and said, no, this is the way we want to play and this is what we're going to do. Unfortunately, Richo was just too small for the matchup. How many marks did on your tie take for the game, Liam? Well, her previous career high was seven. Her, she was 15 centimetres taller than her opponent. That's not a coincidence. Yeah, so I think just some of the, the matchups that we saw just didn't seem quite right. And obviously, it was a case of the coaching staff sticking to their guns and, and backing in what they thought would work on the day. But, you know, I think when you get on your tie taking 12 marks, it's probably time for a change. I, I love the fact that our coaches are persistent. I don't perhaps think they might have picked the wrong issue to be persistent on was the tie matchup. No knock on Richo. I thought she did as well as she could, but the fact that she was half a foot shorter showed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that hopefully this weekend uh, will be taken into account when we start looking at matchups against uh-huh. our opponent. Now, Liam, point number four. This is your second yeah. point. This is a more positive point it's actually about a player we just mentioned and who i actually think should have gone to on your tie and it's emily everest uh she also missed round one by the way listeners if i refer to someone as sherpa if either of us use the nickname sherpa that's emily everest for those who don't know as well uh she played out of the position on the wing i guess i do think that is out of position for her and she stepped up you know she led the team with seven marks she took had 13 disposals at 62 percent five intercepts four tackles two rebounds two inside 50s halved a couple of nice defensive contests and her 262 metres gained ranked fifth among all Hawthorne players. She positioned herself perfectly behind the football, especially, you know, she's someone who hasn't played a lot of footy. She only first really, really first played Australia's football in 2021. 
Uh, but she was perfectly positioned in the third quarter. Yeah, the, the courage she showed to take the mark that she took and then really should have received a 50 for a knockaway afterwards, but she didn't. You know, she only played a couple of games on the wing in the VFLW and last week. Quarters at the end of the day, she had only had 34% time on ground last week as well, mind you. But setting up as a more defensive-minded winger, I thought she was excellent. And at the end of the day, look, she's a key defender. First and foremost, she's a key defender. Like I said, her size, her strength, her athleticism and defensive prowess. She was our 1%ers leader last season. She probably should have been the on-your-time matchup. But playing on the wing, I thought she adapted to the role superbly over the last couple of weeks, especially as that defensive-minded winger who kind of sits back behind the ball a bit. It's only going to help her game long-term, especially with her ability to drive out of defense and rebound. But I thought she was excellent and probably going to be one of the more underrated performances we're going to have for the year. Now, we know Sherpa has an incredible aerobic tank. I believe she was second in the 2K time trial during the uh, the AFLW combine that she went to before the draft. So we know that she's got the uh, the athletic capability to be able to play on that wing. And it's quite interesting that we're deploying her as that defensive-minded winger when last season we were using Kashi for it. And this year we're playing Kashi more as that sort of half-back uh, flanker instead. So, look, I think Sherpa did an absolutely tremendous job. As you said, 34% game time last week. This week certainly increased in terms of what she was able to do. I love the way she's going about it. I love that she's actually getting proper game time. I think last year when she was playing, we thought, yep, she's got the makings of someone who could be absolutely tremendous. And then when you saw not played in round one, comes in last week, plays 34% game time. So I'm glad to see that she had a bit more game time this week and really glad to see what she was able to do in terms of not only her confidence, uh, but also the way that she was able to read the play as well. Yeah. But um, you mentioned another player, and you are the master of the segue. So with that, with the mentioning of that player, so let's get about, let's get to it. Well, point number five, Liam, and the last point we have here on the bench is Caitlin Ashmore. Now, Cashy was voted the fan MVP, which I thought was fantastic. And then I saw the actual coaches' votes, and out of twenty coaches' votes that handed out, Caitlin Ashmore got one. And I thought, oh, I don't know if Beck got a and the Fremantle coach have actually watched her game closely enough because I think Cashy was absolutely tremendous. 19 disposals, went at close to 80% disposal efficiency. Nine of those disposals were contested, and we know that in previous years, Cashy has never been seen as a contested ball queen. We've always thought of Cashy as the person who's able to get the ball on the outside, when she's getting almost 50% of the, uh, of the pill through contested possessions. I think it's tremendous. Six marks, seven tackles, three rebound 50s, took one mark, a great contested mark, inside forward 50 as well. Her composure down back and leadership and the way that she attacks the ball, I I think she's doing a tremendous job because we know we've got Cass Brown down there. Cass Brown's 12 games, 13 games into her AFLW career. We've got Big Mac. She'd be on about uh, 10 or 11 games so far down back and I just think here we've got someone like Kashi who's got this wealth of knowledge you know has been through the system understands what's needed understands how to keep players composed and I just love the way that she's going about it often you you think players who've played for as, as long as Kashi has would be starting to slow down in terms of what they're able to produce but 
I think it's the opposite. I think this season she has absolutely up the ante. Now, we always called her the Duracell bunny or the Energizer bunny here, and we said that she'll run all day. And she's still continuing to do that. But now, Liam, not only is she running all day, but she's becoming this contested ball winner as well, which, you know, adding new strings to the bows. Yeah, she's only rounding out her game. But, I mean, just what a player she is. And, again, you know, she was exceptional on the wing last year, but now she's just rolled into defence. She played half forward in her early AFLW days, but, yeah, and now she's rolled onto the wing and now into the back line. And she just does whatever we need to do her to do and does it superbly well. So I think you've made an excellent point. And, and we're going to mention her again in a few minutes, I'm sure. But... Yeah, what a performance she put on. Absolutely. Now, Liam, we're going to move on to the quick thoughts, which are fans' thoughts from off of our social media channels. First one we had was Braden. He said he loved the running carry, and he's definitely not the only one. As we spoke about last week, I think the uh, the wider expanses are actually helping us in terms of the gameplay that we wanted to employ each and every week. Yeah, and just quietly as well, get this is the next like, little quick thought. How good was that goal? That, that goal, Greta Bodie finished, not nominated for goal of the year, surprisingly, because it seems to be best finish rather than best goal. But um, that play from coast to coast, Jazz Fleming just kind of running the gauntlet and getting the ball, giving it off, and just using her teammates basically as a way of giving her some relief from running with the football the whole way. Tim, I just want to ask you, how good was that goal? Oh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I think, as you said, watching Jazz put on the afterburners, weaving in and out of traffic. There's a reason, Liam, that uh, in a couple of years' time, not only will we see her as an AFLW rising star, a previous winner of that, but we'll also see her winning the best and fairest and maybe even best on ground in the grand final. Yep, wouldn't say no to that. (laughs) Um... Good signs in a loss, Liam. Absolutely. And Jazz about to explode from Wade. Yeah. Can't disagree with that. Uh, this is one that I actually put in here, just a little quick thought in a sentence. Laura Elliott's got to be close to a rising star now, doesn't she? Yeah, absolutely. It was tremendous last week, exceptional this week, but we know how it works. Usually takes three or four games before AFLW experts who are picking the rising star nominees go, oh, that, that person can play. So maybe next week we'll see Laura Elliott get picked and then we'll have two so far out of the uh, out of the nominees. Uh, and Isabel said that she was very, very proud of the effort from the team. Yeah, can't not be. Uh, and just quietly, just quickly back to Laura. Uh, I think she might be getting a lot of opportunity to show how good she is this week. Yes. Yes, it's going to be a big week uh, for our team coming up against a Melbourne Demons team that we know are a bit like a runaway train. But just like runaway trains, Liam, they can be stopped. And fingers crossed it's this week. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> we now move on to our best and fairest, Liam. Now, in terms of the best and fairest, you and I both vote similar to what the coaches do. So five votes for our best on ground down to our one vote for who we think is the fifth best player. Now, this weekend, Liam, we had Caitlin Ashmore receiving 10 votes, Jazz Fleming 8, Laura Elliott 5, Tilla Lucas Rod with 5, and Emily Bates rounding out with 2. Uh, yes, that actually means you and I had the same five players. We just had our three and two flipped. And it also means that with a 10-vote game, 
we have our first automatic nomination for the Chantella Pereira Award at the end of the year. That is our correct. Best individual game. That is correct. So the Chantella Pereira Award, that is where any player that receives 10 coaches' votes from Liam or myself goes into the running to take out who we thought had the best individual game from a Hawthorne AFLW player throughout the season. Liam, this now brings us to the end of the episode of The Bench recapping the Fremantle game. But before we leave, if you haven't already liked us on our socials, whether it's on Twitter and Instagram at HSC Saw or on Facebook at Soaring to New Heights, please make sure to do so. Also, if you haven't already liked and subscribed to Soaring to New Heights on your favorite podcast provider, please make sure to like or follow Click the little bell that will alert you to any of the Soaring to New Heights content that comes out because Soaring to New Heights is your one-stop shop for all things women's footy in the brown and gold. Yeah, our next game, Melbourne, 5 o'clock Friday. Frankston will be covering it as usual. We'll have the bench after the game. By the way, AFL, great timing. 5 p.m. on a Friday night in Frankston. You want to promote attendances, and yet you put games at 5 o'clock, an hour out of the CBD if you take your tollway, Five minutes after close of business on a Friday. Don't blame fans when you don't get the attendances you want, AFL. Uh, the season's underway. We're 30% of the way through it already somehow, which is also a bit upsetting. You know, more fo- more AFLW football, please, AFL. But, um, yeah, we'll be here covering it all, as you know, because you've already said we're the one-stop shop for all things women's footy in the brown and gold. You and I, we do play our trade at Talking Hawks. We've already mentioned what they do tonight, but there's plenty coming about the trade and draft, especially for the men. And you got anything else, Timmy? Uh, congratulations to the VWFL, so our wheelchair yep. team at Hawthorne, who took out the uh, the premiership on the weekend by 63 points. And Joe Argent, who is the, uh, the captain, who's been at the Hawthorne team throughout its entirety, and she's done a tremendous job of being able to lead a very young team. So congratulations on winning the premiership. Yeah, congratulations, crew. So this now brings us, Liam, to the end of this episode of The Bench. But as you said, please stay tuned to Soaring to New Heights because we endeavour to keep you updated with all things about the wonderful and magnificent Hawthorne AFLW team. It's been an absolute pleasure, Liam, discussing the game against Fremantle. And we look forward to doing it again next week. And until next time, go the Hawks.